I am Megan Caulfield, and I'm from Stroke Rehabilitation Research. And today I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, some functional neuroimaging and prism adaptation therapy. So before I get started, so it's not rushed at the end, I would like to first thank um, everyone for organizing this today and everyone at the Kessler Foundation, especially the Stroke Rehabilitation Research Lab and my advisor, Peggy Chen, um, my advisor, Dr. Barrett, and Dr. Glenn Wiley, who isn't here, but he helps me a lot with the neuroimaging stuff. Um, and also everyone in the Stroke Lab who has put up with me for the last two years so graciously. So today I'm going to tell you a little bit about what spatial neglect is, how we can test for spatial neglect, and how we can treat it. Then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the study design, um, a little bit about our participants, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the results in the behavior and then the results in the neuroimaging. So spatial neglect is a disorder. It can happen on either hemisphere, but typically it happens after damage to the right hemisphere. And what happens is, due to a stroke or a traumatic brain injury, damage on the right side affects the ability to see external representations, spatial representations on the left side. Um, it also can cause reduced limb function and the inability to sort of have an awareness of your personal space on the left side. So I'm just gonna show you a video shortly of some testing that we did with a participant. There's probably no sound, right? I'll talk you through it. Um, so this is a patient who has a spatial neglect. She's had a stroke. And the OT there is asking her to find her spoon. So she has her soup there on her right side. Her spoon is on the left side of her tray. And she's saying, you know, can you find your spoon? And you see her picking up her fork and her knife. That's not my spoon. You know, she, uh, she adjusts some of the things on her tray. And she can't find her spoon because she's not aware essentially, of the left side of her tray. Um, so she just doesn't have an awareness of that side of space. So you can see it can be a very debilitating disorder. It can affect a lot of your daily activities, your ability to feed yourself, your ability to um, you know, know where things are. People who have neglect have difficulty reading. So it really has far-reaching consequences for people who suffer. So there is. One major kind of neglect, most people have this kind, it's called egocentric neglect. And what happens is people will um, neglect the left side of space sort of generally. So if you look up at the picture, um, this is a task where we have people draw uh, the, the tree and the house. And you can see that this person failed to draw the, the left side. So they were essentially unaware of those other two trees. There's another kind of neglect that's called allocentric neglect. Kind of, it's called also object-centered neglect. And in this case, people will actually neglect the half of each object. It's, uh, it's really interesting. It's, it's a little more rare. And people can also have both kinds of neglect. Um, so you can see in the drawing there, this person failed to draw half of the house and half of the trees. But they managed to get all five elements in the drawing. So they were able to see all of the drawings, but they neglect half of each element. So it's, it's kind of very interesting and uh, a little more rare and unique. So the way that we can tell if a person has neglect is we can use standard paper and pencil tests. You can just ask them to draw 
a line at the center of a, a line that you give them, and you can see where they draw that, that mark. And we can tell then if a person has neglect. It's a very simple, quick, um, actually relatively sensitive test. But we have a lot of other tests too. So we use uh, cancellation arrays where we ask patients to mark off um, an object in the array, and we can see based on where they start and also based on what objects they miss if they have neglect or not. We also use a lot of drawing tasks, like the trees in the house, and lots of other drawing tasks. And we use functional tasks, too. So we have them, patients actually do things like everyday tasks, and we can see um, if they are neglecting certain things, like when we saw the woman who was eating. So um, how do we treat spatial neglect? It's very heterogeneous disease, it's actually really hard to pin down exactly what treatment is right for different people. Um, but there's kind of two ways that treatments are approached. There's a top-down way. Um, so basically, you just have the patient remember to look left, or make sure you keep looking left. You know, keep turning your head. And that's not really the best way to go about this, because a lot of patients with neglect have um, anosognosia, so they're not actually aware of their disease. Or they have memory problems, so you could tell them, but then they're going to forget. So a better approach is a bottom-up approach. And rather than having them have to remember you know, a strategy, you just change the input. So you change their perceptions. And then you can help reduce their neglect symptoms that way. One um, bottom-up approach is called PRISM adaptation therapy. And in PRISMs, it's really simple. The patient doesn't have to remember anything. You just put goggles on them. And what happens is the prisms shift the view for people. So you can see in the picture on the bottom right, Kim is holding a pen. And under the goggles, you can see where her hand really is. And you can see what it looks like through the goggles. It actually displaces everything a little bit to the right side. Now, if you were paying attention, you would say, people are neglecting the left, and now we're making them see further right. Isn't that the opposite of helping them? And the idea is actually there is a, an adaptation that occurs and an after effect. And the after effect actually has people going more to the left. They're kind of making up for that, for that extra right happening. And the after effect is where we see the improvements in people. And in people who have neglect, these improvements can last up to three months. So it's pretty useful and a pretty simple way to help people. I have another video. So this is a video of just um, while we're doing prism adaptation therapy. It's Peggy, and it's from um, YouTube. So if anybody wants to check it out with audio, you're welcome to. So we just place the goggles on the patient, and then there's this occluder, so they can't see their hand when they start to reach, um, so they can't correct their motion. And then we have them mark uh, lines in different spaces. And uh, over about 20 minutes, the patients will adapt to the goggles, and they will no longer um, there will no longer be like a difference in what they see and what they, their motor action is. And then we take the goggles off, and then there's the after effect. And like I said, the after effect can last up to three months and help reduce symptoms of neglect. So it's a really easy, really portable way of treating neglect. So I just convinced you, hopefully, that prisms are really great. And now I'm going to tell you that they don't work for everybody who has neglect. Um, because there are these different specific subtypes of neglect, um, the prisms are actually more uh, useful in certain kinds. So if we look at the different types, we can see that 
um, the egocentric neglect is actually benefited. People who have egocentric neglect are benefited by the prisms. And people who have allocentric neglect aren't. And that's probably because these different types of neglect are using different systems. And the prisms are getting at one system, but maybe not necessarily the other one. So now I'm going to tell you a little bit about our design. So this is a longitudinal study. And I'm going to tell you about just two patients as a subset of a, a much larger, very long study. Um, so participants had a stroke. And then they came to Kessler. They are enrolled in the study. Um, to be enrolled in the study, participants had to have a right hemisphere stroke, no left hemisphere damage, no prior strokes. They can't have any history of brain injury, um, psychiatric history, blindness, um, or Alzheimer's. So as, if they manage to get past our exclusions, then they're willing to give us our time, their time. We enroll them in the study. So there's a two-week baseline screening period. We do a lot of testing with our participants. And then we also do neuroimaging with the two I'm going to tell you about. They start PRISM adaptation therapy in week five, about. They do that for two weeks, 10 sessions over two weeks. And then we did additional testing with them and additional imaging at the end of the PRISM adaptation. So we have a pre and post PRISM adaptation imaging. And then going out further, there's from weeks 8 to 12 weekly assessments with these people. So I'm going to tell you about two people today. Our first participant is a gentleman, 43 years old. Uh, he had a stroke. And he also had prior medical history of hypertension, diabetes, and a depression since his stroke. So these are some clocks that he drew. You can see he shows symptoms of neglect on these clocks. Sorry, they kind of washed out. But um, you can see in the center clock, he only made it to number six. So he is neglecting the left side of the clock. And um, in the clock on the left, he actually kind of gives you lots of different numbers. The numbers are repeated a few times. So this is his trees and house. And you'll see here that it's interesting. He actually drew all five elements, but he neglected part of the trees on the left and part of the house. And this is a reading task. So in this task, we ask the participants just to read this paragraph. And we highlight the words that they read. And you can see he read from the whole page from left to right, but he neglected some words on the left side of each column. Our other participant is a female. She's 51 years old. She had no prior major medical history. Um, her clocks also show signs of neglect. Pretty classic if you've ever seen a clock in your textbook. I didn't take this from your textbook. It's actually, she actually did this. Um, so very uh, standard classic neglect. This is her trees and house. She's pretty severe. She also might have some motor difficulties. So you can see she only managed one part of the tree. And this is her reading. She failed to read the left side of the page. She kind of just stuck with some words on the right side. So if you've been paying attention, um, our participant number one, if we look at his trees and house and his reading, the signs point to that he has allocentric neglect. And our second participant, the signs point to her having egocentric neglect. So, also, fairly severe 
neglect. So if we give them prism adaptation therapy, we th expect that participant number two will improve from the prisms and participant number one won't. And we did see just that. So this is the behavioral data. Um, at screening, you can see the BIT is a paper and pencil test of neglect. And you can see that the first participant's scores went down, and that's actually a bad thing. It means his neglect got more severe. And the second participant's scores went up, so her neglect improved from the PRISM adaptation therapy. So, so this supports the prior research um, demonstrating differences in PRISM adaptation in uh, egocentric and allocentric neglect. So then what we did was we did some neuroimaging. So these are the participants' lesion profiles. Um, so the areas in red are the areas that are lesioned. And you can see that they both have relatively small lesions for some of our stroke participants. Um, and their lesions are restricted to subcortical areas. And in participant number two, the lesions also reach into you know, the superior temporal lobe and the temporal lobe. So then we also did a resting state scan. In case, no, in case you don't know about it, I'll just briefly tell you. Resting state, what we do is we take a seated area and we average the time course of activity in that area. And then we compare that time course to other regions of the brain. And we correlate it. So if the time courses don't match up, it's going to be a low correlation. If they match up, it's going to be highly correlated. And we take that to mean that those areas are functionally connected. So we seated in the right uh, dorsolateral prefrontal cortex um, because that area is not affected in either of these participants, so we didn't have to worry about their lesion affecting the activity in the area. Also, it's a part of the dorsal, dorsal attention network, so we thought maybe it would activity would change because of the prisms. So participant number one, um, the yellow area is the seed, so the seed is going to be correlated with itself. There's not really much other changes in activity from pre to post uh, prisms. Participant number two um, had increased activity from post prism. So she had additional activity in the right hemisphere in her dorsolateral prefrontal cortex um, and also some visual regions and parts of the parietal lobe. So in summary, uh, participant one uh, had allocentric neglect, didn't improve from the prisms, and his imaging didn't really change from pre to post. Participant number two uh, had egocentric neglect, the prisms helped her, and she did improve, I mean, and resting state did change from pre to post. So this is really preliminary data, obviously, two people. There's no control, so we need to do this with more people, but I think it's really promising um, and also tells us the importance of not just detecting spatial neglect in people, but detecting what kind of neglect so we can appropriately treat it and help those people. So thank you. Um, thank you to our patients and to all of you. Thanks. <laughs>